0: M S W Media.
1: Folks, St. Patrick's Day is almost here and I'll tell you how I'm going to be celebrating. With proper number 12, Irish Apple. That's right. It's the latest launch and first new flavored whiskey from MMA champ Conor McGregor's Proper No. 12 since the brand launched in 2018. It's made from a blend of Ireland's finest gold grain and single malt whiskey. Proper Number 12 Irish apple combines the whiskey that Conor's fans know and love with delicious notes of crisp and juicy Irish apple. It's got a smooth finish. It's like Conor knocking somebody out. You can see it coming. McGregor's whiskey has long been smashing the competition, and this new product's no different. Whether out at the bar or with friends or join a drink at home, Proper No. 12 Irish Apple is the perfect balance of crisp apple, warm caramel, oak, and brown butter. I like it neat, but you can do it on the rocks or make a proper cocktail. It's now available all across the country at just $24.99 a bottle. Proper Number 12 Irish Apple is liquid gold that can't be missed. Comes in 50 milliliter bottles, 750 milliliter, one liter, whatever you need proper number 12 irish apple is perfect for whatever your night has to offer and for more information please visit properirishapple.com knockout
0: Will pour yourself a glass sit for a spill it's time to have some fun Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and done. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the show, my friends. Oh boy, what a time to be alive! Oh, wee, wee, wee. I just uh, just finished watching the most uh, recent episode of The Last of Us. Boy, I'm drained. That show is kicking my ass. I love it. If you're not watching it, highly recommend it. Uh, coming up on the show today, old friend, comedian, ho- co-host of the Himbos podcast, Justin Silver is going to be with us in just a little bit. And uh, man, I love talking to Justin. He's he, He's actually a very dear friend of mine. And a very funny man, talented man. He used to host a show on uh, CBS called Dogs in the City. So he's also a dog expert. Funny dogs, good looking. The ladies love Justin Silver. Say hello to my little friend. I uh, what I got this? Oh, uh, I'm going to be on. Uh, I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but if you're listening to it prior to March, hey, well, you know what? Podcasts live forever. What am I talking about? On Wednesday, March 8th, an episode of the Adam Carolla Show is going to drop featuring me, Brad Williams, and master mixologist Paul Sanguinetti, and we're going to be talking about all things Irish, spirits, cocktails, whatnot. One of the things we're going to be talking about is one of my all-time favorite libations, Irish-themed libations, that has one of my, the most abhorrent names of all time. I'm talking about, of course, the Irish Car Bomb. You've heard me say it before. Great drink. Terrible name. It needs to be renamed. And and I'm just going to, you can listen to Corolla for this, but I'll give you the very quick, think about this. Okay. If you're unfamiliar with this particular concoction and why the name is so bad, here's a little background. All right. To to make an Irish car bomb, you're going to combine half a shot of Jameson with a half shot of Bailey's in a shot glass. And you're going to take that shot glass and you're going to drop it into a pint of Guinness and then you chug it now this thing was invented by a man named Charlie Oat in Norwich Connecticut Wilson Saloon is where he invented back way back in 1970 I think Charlie might still be around could be it's not like we're buddies or anything but um okay so keep this in mind Norwich Connecticut am I saying that right Norwich Norwich which I just don't know. I don't go there. I've never been there. Uh, It's in America. So we're going to recap. An American bartender invented a drink that appropriates three of Ireland's most beloved adult beverages ingredients, okay? And then he named that drink after an act of terrorism. Terrorism. It's caused catastrophic social and political upheaval, not to mention the countless deaths for generations of Irish citizens. Think about it. Try to appreciate the import of this. Imagine that in the wake of 9-11, some cheeky fucking Irish pub owner dreamed up a drink that combined America's native spirit, that's bourbon, of course, with sweet vermouth, that's a Manhattan, in a shot. And you drop it into our most popular beer, Budweiser, and you call it a Manhattan Ground Zero because, as this cheeky Irish bartender explains, drinking it leaves a big fat hole in your gut. Terrible, right? Imagine you're sitting in a pub down around Wall Street in the shadow of those fallen towers and a a group of... Drunk Irishmen on holiday come in and they they order around a round of Manhattan ground zeros. You'd be you'd be terrible. You'd probably start throwing punches because it's wrong, folks. It's just damn wrong. So,
0: oh, behave.
1: I'm. I don't know. We just got to come up with a different name. I mean, if you want not even stay with the same theme, but, you know, what Why don't you call it U two's last three albums because they were all bombs. Get it? See what I did there? Because U2's Irish. and I love U2. I'm going to see Bono in uh, in May in New York City. The Beacon Theater. I've seen U2 <laughs> 50 times. I'm not kidding. Five zero. People, might, you think I'm crazy, but I am. I am. But I've, it's been my favorite band for a long time. I've seen them 50 times. And if you don't like that, go to... You can... I don't know what you can do. I'm not going to you know, I don't want to I don't want to spread any anger. Today. If you don't like it that's that's your prerogative to not like it. My my love of you too. If that inspires anger and resentment in you, that's on you my friend, not on me. Let's celebrate rather than denigrate. Note to self put that on a t-shirt. All right. So there's that. The Irish thing. And uh, that kind of leads me to, uh, you know what, Wow, let's just keep rolling with it. How about we get to our, our wildly popular segment, Drinks of the Week. <laughs> drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. Drinks, drinks, drinks of the week. It's what we're drinking with Dan Duns. Drinks of the Week. <laughs> yes, hands. All right. This week on Drinks of the Week, I'm going to tell you about three things. Chartreuse. Don Julio Rosado and three sticks wine. And we'll start with chartreuse. So folklore of this sort that's propagated by resourceful booze publicists has it that the recipe for the liqueur and chartreuse is a liqueur. It's a mystery. To the entire world. Except for three Cartusian monks who are cloistered in this monastery in the French Alps. That's what they say. They're the only ones that know the recipe. And even those three holy men each knows but a portion of the complete formula. I get it. you know. Protecting trade secrets is one thing, but this sounds a little bit excessive if you ask me. After all, if you can't trust a cloistered monk, then who in the hell can you trust? Oprah? The Dalai Lama, maybe? What we do know about the production of the, this mysterious chartreuse is that it contains more than 130 herbs and botanicals, and it's the only liqueur to be aged in oak vats. And these, this Carthusian order of monks has been doing this nonstop, wait for it, for well over 400 years. That is some long-term commitment to making a product. Now, there are two types of uh, chartreuse. There's the green and the yellow. The green... Is really floral, like really intensely floral. It's got strong hints of, of fennel and rosemary, cinnamon, and cloves. Yellow chartreuse is the, the more citrusy of the two. It's got uh, flavors like blood orange, lemon, honey. Now, chartreuse isn't really the type of elixir you want to enjoy straight, but it can really spruce up a cocktail. Now, I, fortunately, I know a guy on the inside at the monastery managed to sneak out a couple of cocktail recipes. All right, that's not true. These were invented at in other places. One's called a Mona's Smile, and uh, this is made with half an ounce of green chartreuse, half an ounce of Calvados, which is an apple brandy, and then about one and three quarters of rye or bourbon. And then you put a little bit of uh, Amaro Ramazate liqueur, water. You can do club soda if you want, it's easy. You shake all those ingredients in cocktail shaker with a little ice in there, and then you strain it into a chilled cocktail glass and garnish it with a pyramid shaped Jerusalem artichoke cube and cherry on a sword pick. That's easy to get, right? What the hell's going on? I mean, what the hell is going on? So now you got it. Now you got a mission. Now you got to find yourself a pyramid shaped Jerusalem artichoke cube. Easy. And then another cocktail you could do is the easy is the Chartreuse Fizz. This was originally invented, I believe, at Diner, a place called Diner. I don't even know if that's there anymore in Brooklyn. And it's just an ounce of gin, uh, three-quarters of an ounce of green Chartreuse, and a half an ounce of lime juice. You build that on the rocks in a Collins glass. There you have it. All right, next up, I want to tell you about one of my favorite wineries, a Sonoma-based winery called Three Sticks. Yeah. Three Sticks. It was founded back in 2002 by by Bill Price, and Bill's they their Three Sticks has some of the most iconic properties in Sonoma, including six Grand Cru level estate vineyards. It's good stuff. I mean, this is this is good wine. The winemaker Ryan Pritchard um, is a legend up there. I don't know if he's a legend. He's fairly young. I mean, he's he's a stud. Let's put it that way. And they uh, Three Sticks just put out two lovely. Wines, and I tried both of them over the weekend. The twenty, both from 2021. One is a Durrell Vineyard Origin Chardonnay. The other one's a Monarch Pinot Noir. The Chardonnay seventy dollars a bottle. The Pinot Noir seventy five. And now you're asking me, Dan, that's a hefty price to pay for wine. Is it worth it? Yes, yes, it is. The Sonoma County Pinot Noir. Oh man, I mean, there's blackberry, plum, red currant, uh, a lot of a little bit of wild strawberry in there. Flavors, just fruity. It's, a, it's fruity, but not a fruit bomb. Just well balanced fruit in there, and uh, you're gonna feel that. You know that there's a real diverse terroir up there in, in Sonoma County, and you're you're gonna get that. You're gonna get some of that sea spray minerality, and then it's a bright and lively wine. It really is, and uh, 100% Pinot Noir. Spent 10 months in French oak. 40% of that was new French oak. It's 14% alcohol by volume. That's the three sticks Monarch Pinot Noir. I highly recommend it. And then uh, the Chardonnay, if you're a Chardonnay person, that's the uh, Durrell Vineyards Chardonnay. And uh, that's their first estate vineyard, actually. It's very rocky up there. And um, this is going to, you're going to, be reminded of honeysuckle, nectarine. There's some grapefruit in there, and then you get and then you get that lemon curd. It gives you a little bit of that tanginess to it, and maybe some cucumber. I wrote that down. Cucumber. A very vibrant wine. It's got a nice mineral core to it. Just enough acid on the finish. It's springtime's coming. We can feel it, and this is going to be a, a good one for you. Again, seventy dollars. They only made three hundred forty cases of this. Also, fourteen percent alcohol uh, content 100 chardonnay three sticks and finally tequila you know don julio you've heard of it yeah well they got a new uh rested in ruby port cast it's called don julio Rosado. so they're blowing out the portfolio they're expanding it this is brand new and it's pink it's pink so yeah, they they aged this about four months in ruby port wine casks from the Douro wine region of Portugal. I've been over there; wonderful spot. Recommend a visit. So you're gonna get this tequila that has this creamy strawberry, ripe raspberry. There's some dried plum in there, a little roasted caramel, cocoa. What isn't going on in this tequila? That would be easier to just tell you what's not happening in it. It's a very smooth, light, fruity finish drink it on the rocks, maybe put a little sparkling water in there put it in a Paloma. Now that's all the good news. Now here's the, uh, here's the daunting news. It is $126 a bottle. Yes, not cheap. The hill's going up. We've talked about this on the recent episodes. It's just the price is going through the roof because there's not enough agave. But fortunately there was a enough to make this Don Julio Rosado. And as always, at the end of drinks of the week, I tell you to drink responsibly and enjoy yourself.
0: Enjoy yourself. It's later than you think. Enjoy yourself while you're still in the pink. The years go by as quickly as a wink. Enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself, it's later than you think.
1: Stale is one of my least favorite words in the English language. It's a real blah word, isn't it? Stale rhymes with fail, which nobody likes to do, and kale, which nobody but weirdos really likes to eat. I prefer an antonym to stale, and that's fresh, as in fresh victor a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that really come in handy when you're having a little drinking sesh. See what I did there? Rhymes with fresh. Anywho, Fresh Victor offers nine unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to tantalize any palate. I love them all, but my absolute favorites are three citrus and mint leaf, strawberry and lemon, and cactus pear and pomegranate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced, there's nothing artificial, and the mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a funky fresh deal to what we're drinking listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout enter promo code FVDan20, Fresh Victor Dan20, FVDan20, you get 20% off your order think of all the money you'll save while also becoming the envy of all the amateur mixologists in your neighborhood now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market and that's fresh victor <coughs> joining me now here in studio came in from new york did a uh, killer show this week at the comedy store alongside jim jeffries Nikki glazer Patton oswalt He's also the co-host of the wildly popular podcast, Himbos, my dear friend, Justin Silver. Dan Lee the Daniel, good to be here with you, buddy. It's good to see you, man. Yes, uh,
0: good to be in Los Angeles with you.
1: You're not going to be here much longer. No. That's the only problem. We were, we were supposed to record this several times earlier, uh, but we had technical difficulties. Namely, we technically got drunk we and, did and kept skipping recording <laughs> i swore i was not
0: going to but you said nah i know you 2 yeah. p.m
1: <laughs> yeah we honestly we tried we were like yeah let's do it now now nah, well let's just go have one or two drinks and uh yeah that's how that went but how you doing man how's that himbo's doing
0: himbo's is awesome it's uh it, that show actually started as a joke on the bonfire you know the bonfire on With big XM. Jay okerson and yeah. dan Soder, correct? who has moved on and now robert kelly's taking dan's place um, Wait,
1: why did Dan move on?
0: I just think he had other projects in mind that he wanted to focus on, and they've been doing it for like seven seasons. So okay, uh, just time for him to move on. But that started off as a joke um, between Dan and Jay about how myself and co-host Josh Adam Myers, who also was the he was produced the, a show at the Comedy Store the right. other night. Yeah, he does a lot of musical comedy. How we're both very himbo esque, and it's like what are himbos? They're like vain, e- egotistical. Sorry, say it like this. There, you will edit this. They are. There's th- no editing this. Oh, there's no editing. Everything <laughs> you
1: say, with, <laughs> <laughs> everything you say can and will be used against you. Fine. So yes. there's no. They're like. They're like. You know.
0: V- vain egomaniacs who give way too much of shit about their hair and their physique and all that stuff so it's sort of like a spoof on that because it's like as you get into your 40s it's like no these are things that like everybody should pay attention to and care about so not only is that something that we've like you know I've always been into fitness and health and like I geek out on like fitness science on biology and like you know when I was losing my hair I was like wait let me figure out how to like stop this and regrow it when the normal modalities don't work and then as a result like people ask all these questions and they've always asked me questions about stuff like that like whether it's other comics about fitness stuff or like dietary stuff and josh the same thing and i was like you know what let's just like start this podcast and make fun of ourselves and not take it all too seriously and then we also answer lots of questions from people who generally genuinely want information about that stuff so it's just like you know Two guys being very honest, very self-effacing, very vulnerable, very open about the fact that like, yeah, we do have these personality traits and things that we give a shit about. And then at the same time, like a lot of takeaway in it. So it's actually been, it's been cool. We just started a Patreon, which is cool because people, they ask us like some, they ask us really interesting, deep questions that I didn't think that people would ask on a comedy podcast where you're basically throwing, you know, a clay pigeon in the air to get shot down, but- we don't really do that with them.
1: When you talk about the fitness aspect, and Josh is also in good shape. Yeah. You got me wondering, do you think comics in general, they seem to be in better shape than back in the day? Like when I think back in the heyday, you got your Sam Kinisons. Yeah. I don't remember any of them looking particularly healthy whereas now i mean some of my favorite you and 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 josh and uh, jeselnik seems to be in good shape yeah. uh, jim jeffries the other night looked like jim takes care of himself all right you know and nicky glazer i think i think
0: it's not unlike rock stars in the 70s where we were watching that show the other day i yeah. can't remember what it was but um
1: oh uh, something in the six
0: where the sort of thing was like sex, drugs, and rock and roll and was very much the same thing when comedy was coming up around the same time, and these guys, like, burnt out really Pryor, young. Pryor,
1: Kinnison, Yeah. I mean, uh, who were some of the other big ones? Candy. Back? John Candy. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a stand-up, though, right?
0: Still, yeah. comic-esque and, you Belushi. Know, it, sure.
1: You know, Chevy Chase had a drug problem. Right, right? and yeah. I
0: think, and then, like, you know, after you see a few generations of that happen, I think people are a little bit more conscious and they want longevity in their careers and they realize that, wait, this is the kind of dark side of this isn't really fun. So they take dig- air. And it's, it, dude, it's a lot though. It's a, like, it's a lot on your body. Just the job of stand up comedy from like, f- think about like the adrenaline rush when you have to do like three shows a night after you've traveled all day from whatever city you land in a hotel, you check in, you're exhausted, then you're getting on stage. There's that adrenaline rush. Then- after that spike, it dips. Then it spikes again. Then it dips, and you go back to sleep. Next day, you have to do morning radio at like seven o'clock in the morning before the Saturday shows. Two shows, sometimes two shows on Sunday, and then you fly back. And then it's like podcast, podcast, podcast until the next weekend. So it's like it's a lot on your body, dude. Well,
1: it's a, it's an interesting thing, and I've had this debate with people before. You know, there's this sort of mistaken idea that if you're a you know a construction worker or you're a mechanic, you're doing some sort of physical labor, like. A, Oh, how dare these guys talk? You know, it's like the old song, Money for Nothing. And, you you know, look at that. You know, yeah. But honestly, doing this sort of thing where you have to exert a lot of mental energy yeah. is physically draining. And like you said, it's the tra- – I mean, when I host gigs, you know, when I go around the country and I'll host a Whiskey X or whatever – it does take its toll like you're on the plane for 5 hours and you get and don't not that either one of us are complaining about what no, we do I'm but, certainly not, but, but it but does physically drain you.
0: It physically drains you but also like the times where you would be resting or times where creatively you're gearing up for the next thing you have to do or you're writing on the plane or you're preparing the show that you're going to do so there's not real rest time. Like even w- like when I'm on the plane back today i'm like all right i have to edit all the videos for the podcast that have to go out on monday then i have to like write those episodes it's like there's there's not much rest time and it's like that's why i like took a 10-day vacation to come out to la well, and it was still point. it was still it was still like i was working the whole time i was here but i think the men i think the the mental exertion sometimes i envy dudes who have jobs like that where it's like you can kind of just like you know grab a brick lay it down grab a brick lay yeah. it down and sort of check out a little bit mentally while you clock
1: you're just, out at five o'clock and you're
0: clock done. out yeah, it, yeah you and me it's like the same thing it's like i'm always thinking like you know the machine is always running
1: well and it's also <clears throat> there's the after show like at the the other night we're all in hanging out in the green room and you kind of got to do that like fans came back and they want to meet you and sometimes i bet you're just fucking tired and you're like i want to go home but you can't now this is a, this brings an interesting question you're you're headed back literally in about an hour yeah. back to new york how many days, I can't wait to hear this from you, how many days have you already determined you're going to go without drinking now that we, because we went pretty hard. You've been in LA for about a week and a half. We did. And you said you weren't going to drink while you were here. And
0: no, we no, I said I was going to drink yesterday. We
1: drank every day that you were here, pretty much.
0: I did, and I'll probably, well, I was like sober for a few months yeah. before that, and I'll probably go back to that, but while I'm here with you, <laughs> I'm on a vacation, I'm like, this is not really the time to do that, because it's going to be very tricky, but back in... The, I mean, it's not really like a, my every day is a little bit different. So I won't say my routine so much, but back there, it's a lot easier to just moderate that. Cause I don't really, I don't go out and socialize as much as I did because I haven't, you know, I haven't seen people here for a while. So, so, so it'll probably be, it'll probably start today. Start today. Well, yeah. while you were here, and I'll stick to that.
1: While you were here. Yeah. We uh, we had a friend over and she wanted to watch your your work on High Fidelity. Oh shit! So we watched that three days ago. I you, forgot that with already. you making out with Zoe Kravitz and you you were you did a guest spot a couple of episodes of High Fidelity. Yeah. Do you ever do that at home with like women that you meet? Do you ever bring them over and go, oh, this again? Like have it queued up and put on the no. TV and go, oh wow, look at No,
0: that. I don't do that. No. That no. I mean, the the honestly, you meet a lot of people doing shows because. Not that I even really do this anymore. I don't like fuck around the way I used to. I don't. Um, but being on stage and being like, if you have like open and honest comedy, that's like a wrap in and of itself. So it's very easy for someone to come up to you afterwards and be like, "Hey, I kind of get well, you." I saw I it like the other you.
1: Night. I saw it at the comedy. So there were there were these two uh, women center stage, and then they came back afterwards, and they were they were they were putting the heat on you, man. I saw it.
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, they were. But I, I honestly do not like. I don't. I don't sport fuck like I used to. I just don't.
1: Is that a big thing in the comic world? Do comedians get a lot of I know our, our, our some friend, do, some uh, Joe DeRosa. Some is, he's a uh he's a cocksman, I believe. A,
0: Joe's a cocksman. Some do, some don't. It's also like I'm older now, so like uh, that's not even that's not that much of an interest to me anymore. It's just well, not. i like is. I'd like to meet somebody long term, so it's not that much of an interest to me.
1: Well there is that is the thing about getting older, and I've talked about this, is they're almost <laughs> it's so sad to say this, but you reach a point where you're like do i do the work here or just go home and beat off it's a relief it's a lot though. it's a lot easier to.
0: it's do. a relief though it's yeah. like the i listen a million comics have talked about this every dude knows it's like the insanity of how your sex drive drives you in your 20s and 30s it's like fucking maddening i remember just like in my 20s like just a thursday night like i have to go out and like it's like you have to go out and like hunt and kill yeah. And I, it used to make me nuts. And like, it's a relief that that's gone down now.
1: Well, what's Completely. crazy what's crazy for me, and I'm probably admitting this now on the air, is I, I now get more turned on if I'm in a relationship. Yeah. Where it's like, that excites me.
0: Yeah, that's where what I was saying. That's when, what I am saying. Back
1: in the day, it did not. I was like, wait, what am I doing here? Because I'm with her, but there's so many other women out there. And now I've had, it, it, it has shifted. And I, I can see that with you. Now, does that does that did affect wh- your comedy, though? Do do you lose any edge with your comedy?
0: No, because I think listen, your values change, and then the new insight that comes from that experience becomes new stuff that you can make funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah, you know how many how many great comics do you see when you're watching like Louis talk about like you know once once he turns fifty, he's like now for no reason I just have to go and start I have to go and wipe my ass for no reason. Exactly. Like, you, you've called me from the car and being like. with that line he said because you're like I'm literally pulling over to go wipe my ass but it's no of course no it doesn't take any edge I've had
1: many sharding accidents and they've mostly been in my my most recent years now here's a question for you do because people ask me about my oh man you must be getting fucked up all the time doing your job which I can't really do this job that way do you know I know you don't but do you know of any comedians that can actually get on stage while being either buzzed or drunk and be funny
0: We talk about that a lot on himbos. We, because we interview a lot of other comics and then like experts and sex therapists and therapists and uh, athletes and stuff. But there's comic like pot does not agree with me at all. And there's so many comics I know they'll smoke that are high
1: and doing comedy.
0: They'll smoke. They'll smoke a blunt in the green room and then get on set. Like uh, you'd have to fucking call an ambulance. Within the first three minutes, for me, I don't like I don't like having a drink in my system. I like to be really clear headed, because like I do a lot of crowd work and stuff and audience interaction shit.
1: And you got to be quick. And you
0: have to be fast with those responses. You can't be like lagging behind them, or you know, you're orating in front of you know 150 to 350 people.
1: How many people would you say were in the? It was sold out the other night at the main room at the comedy. So what's that about 250 300?
0: It looked like that to me.
1: Now, I watched a special about the store back in the 70s, and they said Kinnison, Pryor, these guys would be fucked up. Like on There's co- guys that can Kinnison do it. Kinnison would house cocaine. Like just Hoover, not house, Hoover, a bunch of blow, get on stage, and kill.
0: Yeah, but what are there? It's also, I would think that there were comics back then who were like wordsmiths who were a lot more dependent on... The timing and the rhythm. Sam was like, you know, a maniac. maniac I Steve say. Martin. So Steve might, Martin so was so so a That's what I was yeah. saying. So God, that's what I was, that, that's who was in my mind. So if they're like wordsmiths, like the poetry of that would get lost in the slurring. Whereas someone like Kinnison, like that may fuel him. Cause you're Cause he was like such a maniac up there. Not saying that it was sloppy in any way, just saying that like, you know, he that was more of a heavy metal style of performance as opposed to like, yeah. You know, he was the more singer songwriter. That he was that, more of a
1: rock star. Even I mean, I I, I think of people like Steve Martin, another comedian Steve that Warren I that was, I love yeah. that I don't know that you love, but but I couldn't imagine him being fucked up. Would be Stephen Wright. Because Stephen Wright was all about that delivery, and he's giving
0: right. But he could have done that on heroin, much like Mitch. That's true,
1: <laughs> Mitch well, Hedberg, because he was okay, like it Mitch, was it was lulling. You he know, was fucked like, up nah, too, right, Mitch Hedberg, while he was. Doing I don't.
0: It? I don't know. I don't know if while. I don't know well, why. Well, he here's was on one stage that you probably
1: if. know, and we could answer: Was what about Greg Giraldo? He died of a heroin overdose, right? Yeah, but
0: I don't know. But Greg was also very fast and sharp on. Stage, so I don't know. I don't really know if that if he was a guy who was a pre-show user a lot of guys afterwards because it's hard to come down
1: yeah there was, um, that, there was that whole period he's gone another guy that was in that but period who's atel still-
0: atel was like a fucking wild man yeah. and then in like and you know atel's you know arguably one of the best ever and probably my favorite comedian most new york comics favorite comic but you know he sobered up and except for like you know cigarettes and endless amounts of coffee like he's got to perform like really sharp because it's just like Stanhope, I don't know, but Stanhope's a guy no, who's I like think still Stan, kinda I think wild. Stanhope's
1: pretty fucked up. So he was on Corolla recently and he was drunk on the show.
0: Was he? Yeah, yeah. we talked about we talked about Corolla. And then what about
1: okay, here's one another guy I want to ask you about. him, you might know him, and I just like, what happened to this guy? Uh Nick DiPaolo. He's like a lunatic now. Like he, he posts it's constant racist like he's so he's like an he stormed the Capitol kind of guy.
0: Very uh Was he conspiracy always that, that way? Was he I always I always remember Nick being very hard, very opinionated, very dark, sarcastic, and I loved it. But like, that's when I was coming around the comedy cellar, right? Like, right as I started performing there, and then he stopped. as He moved out of town, so I haven't really kept up on him that
1: much. Yeah, he got. Kind of, I remember. He, but that's what I hear. He had one of my favorite lines in the Pamela Anderson roast.
0: He's great in the roast. He
1: said he was. He used to watch Baywatch. He would beat off. So he used to watch Baywatch with a squeegee <laughs> for, his, <laughs> for his TV. And I'm like, man. And then I love. He him had. The, great, he
0: had unbelievable lines. I made unbelievable. A, I,
1: I got into a little brawl with him on Twitter a while back. Like, I said something, I commented, because he just posts, like, blatantly racist shit, you know? And I said something, and he came back at me, and then we started going at it, and then his fans started coming at me, and it's like, I gotta get out of here. You, hey, you don't have that with him. Do you have any nutty people on himbos that come after you? Buddy,
0: you, I, I am, you know this. I am one of the most ill-informed human beings on the planet of True. anything that is going on in society, because... I just won't watch the news cuz I'm like this is just going to be a constant irritant that we, I can we that talking- I can't do much about. So the things that I geek out on and focus on are things that a little that are a little bit more in the bubble of interest that I have and like political views, anything going on socially do not do not make that radar. This morning,
1: I brought up Roe versus Wade. Yes, w- were you aware that Roe versus Wade had been overturned?
0: Absolutely. Of course, I was aware okay. of that. Like all the right. big thing is on, me, but if you go when you'll call me up, you'll be like, "Did you see this thing that like well, it, it was five things this week?" And I'm like, "No, yeah." Like you're how I get my news.
1: Um, that's me. <laughs> I, I call Justin <laughs> so
0: no, no. There's so no one's. If anything, any someone's going to call me out for being like an uninformed idiot with things like that. Like all, all my comedy is very autobiographical about like. You know, neurosis and the human condition and shit like that and relationships and shit like that. It's not about what's going on uh, in the world. In the world, no. Well, you're again, you
1: mentioned your crowd work and I think I've just watched over the years how you've just – your improvement, not that you were bad at it before, but the way you work crowds, the way you did it the other night at the comedy store. Because, listen, guys, you got to understand, like this is – the lineup the other night is like heavy. I mean, the first comic was Jim Jeffries. Yeah. Followed by Pat Oswald. Followed by Nikki Glaser. And then who was the other guy? He was... Uh,
0: Trevor Wallace.
1: And then you. And then there were like six after you. Right. But to come on after that lineup and, and kill is very impressive because what happens is like like anybody that's been to a show there's a little fatigue that starts to set in in an audience where especially when the first three comics had you laughing your ass off and that's
0: an hour that's about that was at about an hour 15
1: yeah so you came on including Josh now unfortunately you gotta go soon because I'm looking at Clyde and if he doesn't get on his plane that means we're gonna be drinking again today and I can't have that um Language of Dogs is your the Instagram, too. You got that one. You got I Am I have, Justin.
0: I Am Justin Silver for all my comedy stuff. We have Himbo's Podcast, which is all the Himbo stuff, which has really funny clips. Uh, Himbo's Podcast also has a YouTube channel that's doing really well. We had great guests on, like Ryan Long was just on. Big Jake Hokerson was just on. And the fucking shit you find out about people on that show. Um, you can also download it. And listen to the audio versions anywhere on Spotify, on iTunes, and then, you know, all my personal stuff. It's IamJustinSilver.com and at IamJustinSilver.
1: What was the thing that you told me about Jay? I think he talked about it. I'm not... Oh. Because he, when he poops, there's a weird his.
0: Thing. Yeah, he's got... You know, you look at Big Jay okerson who just looks like... You know, you wouldn't think of him uh, with these himbo-esque qualities in terms of his cleanliness and the attention he does to his uh, ass-wiping protocol, which is about... <laughs> Forty-five minutes with three different, three different types of wiping solutions, then a shower, then a bunch of different creams. He's like his hygiene and his attention to detail between his hair, his ass, and his colognes just domino, motherfucker, me. <laughs> so we're like, so the cool thing about that show is you're like, oh yeah, you think you're not like this? Like we'll we'll, we'll dig in. So it's it's like if you ever watched, if you ever listened to Are You Garbage, yes. where they determine like. You know, if a comic is a piece of garbage or classy as fuck. We do that, and our it's sort of our version of that, and it's got a, it's we do it like a Q and A and a rapid fire type of question.
1: Well, I'm hoping to be on of, Himbo's one of these days. I would love you, though. I'm, I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna be back in New York in May. I'll probably do a show. Justin will probably be on the show, yes. and then maybe I'll be on Himbo's if I'm lucky enough. Um, well, listen, we got to get you out of here. Yes, uh, we unfortunately, get you to the I, we could talk for hours and hours, but on, the plane is leaving, and I need to get you the fuck out of Los Angeles because I can't handle any more drinking with you. Uh, Justin Silver, everybody. You know them, you love them, and uh, we'll be right back. Peace out, Joe. Oh, boy, am I excited to announce that one of our original sponsors, that's right, an OG, I guess it would be an OS, right, original sponsor, okay, sure, with us from the beginning, they took a little break, and now they're back in the mix, and I'm talking about rabbit Hole. My go-to for American whiskey, Rabbit Hole makes bourbon and rye in extremely small batches. We're only talking 15 barrels or less at this amazing distillery. They have smack dab in the middle, downtown Louisville, Kentucky. And Rabbit Hole's recipes are totally unique. They were created by their founder, a guy named Cave, personal friend of mine, one of the coolest guys in the bourbon business. Cave and his team at Rabbit Hole spare no expense making their bourbon and rye. They have their own cooking methods. They use top-of-the-line grains. They never chill filter, and they use barrels that are toasted, charred, and wood-fired, which almost nobody does anymore. And what you end up with by doing that is a line of bourbon and rye. It's really rich, deep flavors that are unlike anything you've ever tasted. And right now, Rabbit Hole's offering a special deal for my listeners. You get $5 off your first order if you order through Drizzly, That's right, get it delivered through Drizzly and enter code RABBIT. Give me $5 off your first order. Trust me on this, folks. You're going to want to get in there and order that right now. Get that rabbit hole.
0: This is Albert Hammond Jr., and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn.
1: I've got a rather large collection of wine books and cocktail books. I like to collect them. And one of my prize possessions is actually a, I guess should I don't know how to call it a reissue, maybe a facsimile, a book called Lewis's mixed drinks with hints for the care and serving of wine. It was originally published in 1906 by Lewis Muckensturm. And the, The reissue or facsimile was put out by my my good pal, Philip Duff. But Louis Muckensturm was the man back in the uh, beginning of the 20th century. And this is considered one of the most important cocktail books of all time. I mean, there's a lot of great cocktail recipes included therein, but maybe most famously published the first ever recipe for the dry martini in these pages about that. I bring it up because I when I was looking through it, I found something really. The first note before he starts listing off cocktails says a cherry can be added to practically every cocktail excepting where the cocktail is wanted extra dry. In that case, olives can be used, but I do not recommend them unless they are first wiped. The water in which olives come contains a certain amount of acid. For the purpose of preserving, and if it gets into a cocktail, will usually give an unpleasant taste to the drink. This got me wondering, like, what the hell are they preserving olives in back then? It sounds dangerous, really, explosive or something. But uh, gotta wipe them olives down before you put them in there. So he continues: if cocktail cherries get flat or spoiled, add to a quart of cherries and their liquid. Two liqueur glasses of alcohol and six lumps of sugar. If cocktail stuffed olives turn black and float, change water in which the olives are and add a teaspoonful of salt to a quart of water. This will bring them back to their natural color. You gotta love it, man. We're not wasting cherries. We're not wasting olives if they go bad. Here's ways to bring them back or at least make them look like they've been brought back in the case of the olives. It just amused the hell out of me. Yeah, if you can find it online, Lewis's Mixed Drinks with Hints for the Care and Serving of Wines by Lewis Muckensturm. History. If we don't learn the lessons of it, we're doomed to... I can't remember how the rest of it goes. But anyways, that's going to do it for this episode of the show. I want to thank dear buddy Justin Silver for being on the show and of course folks I want to thank you I know you got tons of options There's so many shows you can listen to but you listen to this one and I know that because our show is consistently in the top five of all the drinking shows in the United States on the Apple podcast chart so thank you for that I believe the next episode we're going to have uh, our official roving correspondent Brad Jaffe is going to be back he's in los angeles i hear he's coming in he just got back from japan and we're going to devote this episode to brad's adventures we're going to hear all about what he was doing over there and i think that's all i got who wants to take us out
0: i'm good enough i'm smart enough and doggone it people like me